0: What's up, party thieves? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, however you are inclined. Please know that if you follow the latter, I'll probably be posting pictures of John Hamm as Carson, because you know my fantasy casting. This week's episode is The Clue of the Velvet Mask. Yes. Um, And also, for those of you just joining us, how the hell, but alternately, this is the podcast that looks at Nancy Drew books and says, what if you were a little bit tipsy and also obsessed with Nancy and Ned's relationship? These are the recaps that you would get from me, always. The Clue of the Velvet Mask was released in 1952 because we're in the 50s now, y'all. We're also at this weird transitional phase where we're getting toward the revisions we're getting toward the like oh we're gonna get rid of ice boxes and also some of the racist dialogue but we're not quite there yet the copy of clue the velvet mask that i have pictures nancy in a spanish senorita's costume so she's got a red flowing dress on good for dancing good for making some good twirls and she's also got a black lace headscarf happening in the book it says that she's wearing a wig for this and the cover artist was like fuck that noise no she ain't gonna be wearing a wig for this she's got a flower pin in her hair though just to make things interesting and some earrings and she's looking in at somebody who apparently is climbing a trellis to the second story of the house which this is a thing that's going to happen very early in the book the weird thing about this book like the central premise of this bitch Doesn't make sense. Like with a little bit of tweaking, it would make some sense. And if it were a Nancy Drew Files book, it would, they would have handled this slightly differently. But Nancy has been invited to a party. And so that's how this book opens. She's going to, let's see, actually, it doesn't fucking matter. Most of the wealthy people that are discussed in these books, you never hear their names again. It doesn't fucking matter what their names are. We could just call them the Kardashians, and it would make just as much sense as anything else in these fucking books. But Nancy's getting ready. She's getting dressed in the outfit that she's wearing on the cover. A black lace mantilla. It says that she's going to be wearing a black wig, which covers her naturally wavy golden hair. Her friendly blue eyes peered mischievously above a fetching black lace mask. So above the... Sure, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, um, she's going with Ned, who is, of course, home from Emerson. I'm going to just point out here. This is the thing that pisses me off so much about this book. Let me see. This is on page two. Ned Nickerson was a college student who dated her now and then. Bitch. Y'all been in a committed relationship for 20 fucking years now, which means my headcanon is that the you adopted an occasional wayfish orphan, and they are now attending Emerson. Like that is why Ned is there, is to make sure that the orphans that you two have raised are doing good, doing some good work there. Slash, he is also a government agent who is doing some interesting shit. Anyway, he's of course still in Emerson. He will always be at Emerson. His soul is trapped there for mysterious reasons. But anyway, so Ned's coming home for that. Although the timing of this book is really weird because July fourth happens, but it's like a casual side mention, and you're like, "What is Ned doing at college?" He's like, "Exams are over, it's July fourth, and you're like did did the person who wrote this understand how exams work and how time exists, and it okay anyway, um, so Ned comes in." to take nancy to the party nancy has already requested his costume so also he's late but it's immersion reasons so he comes in it's it's 8 30 he was supposed to get there at 8 to pick her up for this masquerade party and i'm like are y'all gonna be like drinking a shit ton like it's gonna be a banger it's gonna be a banger if it starts at like nine o'clock in the evening gloria hendrick the kardashian um had requested that everyone come early for pregame reasons. Maybe they're going to be doing some Mad Dog 2020 IDK. Um, Ned comes in. He is a good-looking college football player. We're not getting any more description of him. You just need to run with that. Um, Nancy, of course, wearing a wig. Ned's like, you're dynamite, Nancy. What a group. What a getup. And I'm sorry to be late. I had to drive dad and mother to the theater. Wish they could have seen you first, though. For... Why? That's fine. Never mind the compliments Nancy left, pulling that into the living room. I have a costume for you. Please put it on quickly. For all of you whose brains went in a different way, you're correct. Yes. Yes to everything. Not so fast. Do I have to go in fancy clothes? And I'm like, what is he wearing now? Cowboy outfit? What is happening? You'll like the outfit. Linda Seely selected it personally. And that's like, who's Linda? <laughs> Does she have some fetish things happening? Is it a Dalmatian outfit? Is it going to awaken some things? It's fine. Um, she pulled out a Nancy, pulled out an eighteenth century Spanish grandees costume. What is that? You're asking. A plumed hat, high heeled boots, high heeled boots. High heeled boots. A white neck ruff too, and lace cuffs for Ned, who is a, a deeply masculine man and is gives an indignant snort. You expect me to wear that? You'll make such a distinguished-looking Spanish grandee, Nancy coaxed. Please, Ned. Oh, all right, since you're such a pretty Spanish lady, Ned acquiesced with a grin. And I'm like, because he's expecting you to put out later. Uh, those trousers look skimpy, though. I'll help pour you into them, Mr. Drew offered. For those of you who are like, I'm sensing another ship happening. Go ahead. It's fine. I do not I do not go there. You know that my OTP is Nancy Ned. The two retired to an upstairs bedroom. This is... um. John Hammond, Ned, whoever you've mentally cast as Ned. During the next 10 minutes, weird sounds filtered down to Nancy and Mrs. Gruen. (laughs) Yeah. They were certain that the costume would be ripped to shreds before Ned's muscular body could be encased in it. There's so much happening. There's so much. Oh my God! But presently he arrived. He appeared on the stairway landing, assuming a theatrical pose. He asked, "How do I look, Nancy?" Oh, wonderful! The costume fits perfectly, and I'm like, he got poured into that shit. Of course, it fits perfectly. She's gonna be eyeing that candy all night, y'all. Self-conscious, of course you are, honey. 'Cause that it's a second skin at this point. Ned came down the stairs to help Nancy with her cloak. Mister Drew walked with them to Ned's car, which was parked in front of the house. If Nancy makes you... Help solve a mystery, Ned. Be careful of those rented clothes, the lawyer said jokingly. And you're like, I love that they already know how this is going to play out. In some ways, it feels like River Heights is the Truman Show. And Nancy is a person who believes that she is Nancy Drew. And so they just have to stage mysteries for her. Like, it's like every Thursday, everybody in the town looks at each other and says, all right, bitch, let's do some shit. So... Ned um, promised that he would be careful with his rented clothes, saying he hoped something exciting would turn up. The thing about the books, like, I've heard some people complain. They're like, Ned is so boring, and he never supports her on her mysteries. And I'm like, okay, they've known each other for 20 years, one. Two, like... He wants he understands what he signed up for. He wants to be involved in this shit. Like other people are like, "Oh, he tells her to No, Ned generally doesn't tell Nancy to leave it to the cops. I'm just going to say that. Like he's like, "Hell yeah, let's let's go punch some people. He's here for that shit." So, keep your eyes open at the party because there are party thieves. You were wondering what what the fuck happened with the intro? Party thieves. Party thieves. Thieves who steal parties. No. Thieves who come into people's houses during parties and steal their shit, because, again, everybody, the Kardashians live near River Heights, and they have an extensive collection of sports memorabilia. I don't know what the fuck they have, um, but yes, so somebody's been ripping off parties. The person who gave Nancy the costume, whose name is Linda, who's gonna be a, a major player in this one, um... She's worried because a lot of the parties that her company, the Lightner company, has been involved with have been thieved. So she ain't cool with it. Um, thousands of dollars in gems and other valuables have been stolen from their homes. Okay, so wealthy people, River Heights, giving parties, people ripping off their houses during the parties. And they're like, you know what, though? I'm going to need to keep throwing parties. Like... I don't know what you want me to do about this. It's kind of like COVID reopenings. I'm going to have to reopen. Like, why would you say that I can't? And you're like, maybe, maybe don't. Maybe take precautions. And they're like, that would be cheating. So um, th- they've been at this for months. Like whoever this gang of thieves is, they've been, they've been doing this for months. And also it's like, if anybody in the river Heights starts a house party, it's like, they're saying, ah, uh, come at me, bro. Come at me. So, Nancy and Ed go to the party. It's in full swing. Everybody's in masquerade. There's Piro and Pirette, There's people dancing the Charleston. Uh, there's Harlequin and Punchinello, the latter, with her real- realistically humped back. And you're like, of course, honey, of course. Uh, Bess Marvin is there, dressed as a southern belle, and George Fane, who was her cousin, rushed over to greet them with her short haircut and slim figure. George could fool anyone in her disguise as a boy. For those of you who were like... It's it's close to Trans Day of Visibility. Own it. Own it, y'all. George is going to be wearing a lot of costumes in this one. You can have it. It's fine. Um, the dance floor is packed. Nancy's like, is anybody here? Dave Evans comes up. Bert Edelton, who you'll remember from the previous book. I introduced him as the longtime companions slash people who will be named in the obituary who were not actual spouses. Um... Yes, they are there. And this is like the only time in the book they ever fucking pop up, which is interesting. Anyway, Nancy goes... Okay, the the dipshits in this fucking book have a just a room full of treasures on the second story of their home, as one does. And so Nancy goes in there because everybody's like, oh, let's, let's go look at the pretty things. They've got the light turned on and the doors open and everything. So they go in there. There's no one on the, the case of for everything is not locked. There's no one out there really guarding the place. It's just such so dumb. Um, Nancy sees a likeness of Marie Antoinette, which was especially attractive. And you're like, this is a Chekhov's gun, and you are correct. It is 100% a Chekhov's gun. So, it's a good party. Nancy and Ned dance for half an hour. Everything is fine, and Nancy sees Linda. She's like, hey, what's going on? Linda's like, I feel really nervous about all this. I've been upstairs. That room is unguarded, and Nancy's like, you are correct. So, okay, Linda has two bosses. The, her main, like, immediate boss is Mr. Tom Barr, because really? sure. Um, over that is Metro Leitner who owns the company. So Tom Barr handles, that's such a, such a weird like hobbit name. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Tom Barr is like in in charge of employees. There. the thing is, this is 1952. I'm pretty sure that modern HR departments were not a thing. That feels like a late eighties invention. So he's just the guy who handles like the hiring and firing, but also can be a total dipshit to everybody because no one has rights. So, um, apparently the dance floor is packed because they were just inviting people in. And Nancy's like, Did you say that you were going to, you know, check invitations at the door? And Linda's like, We suggested that, but the Kardashians said no. They wanted this to be a Regency squeeze. They wanted this to be the kind of party that people were gonna talk about. Uh Nancy and Ned decide that they need to get some air, and I'm like, We all know what that's a euphemism for. Um and when Nancy's looking around, she took off her mask because, of course, she and Ned were making out real hot and heavy. And you're like, were they? And the page doesn't say they weren't. So, of course, they were. There were some some feels were copped. Um, Nancy finds out that she's apparently dropped her mask. She doesn't see it anywhere. They look around for it. Um, but they see a man who is wearing a black velvet cloth mask. And he is climbing the rose trellis to go to the second floor. Uh, Nancy and Ned... Like comment on it. They're like, "What is he doing?" And he hears them and runs away. So that's interesting. They find another black velvet hooded mask nearby because they're still looking for Nancy's mask. And Nancy's like, "Huh?" And Ned's like, "You can just try this one on." And um, that sounds incredibly unsanitary. Like, oh my god, oh my god. Also, I didn't realize how very COVID applicable this book was going to be, but here we are. So anyway, he's like, "You can try on this mask." And Nancy's like, "I." I don't know. Well, I guess I'll wear it until we see that guy again, which for those of you who are like, I see where this is going, you are correct. They go back in. They start dancing. This guy cuts in on Ned, and he's like, I had a deuce of a time finding you in this crowd. Why didn't you wear the Oriental costume you said you would? If not for that mask, I would never have recognized you. And so Nancy's like, uh... You nearly wrecked our plan. Can't you ever learn to obey orders? And you are like uh, so much drama going on in this in this thievery group. The man passes Nancy a note. Okay, side note: in that like mid Nancy Drew books, because we're at book thirty at this point. Um. Nancy does get codes. Like in the earlier books, she would get like fragments of notes and you would have to figure out like what was the remainder of the note. But for these, sometimes she does actually get codes and they explain like how to decipher them, which when you're like nine years old, you're like, this is so fascinating. So the note that she gets says Eastport Trellis Company offers secondhand window sash on cash terms. In case of rain, every cloud has a silver lining. And Ned's like, what the fuck is this? And Nancy's like, it sounds like a secret code. And I'm like, okay, it has a direction in it. It has a cardinal direction in it. It says trellis, which you caught somebody climbing. It says window sash. It says cash. It says silver. Like, Yeah, we're on brand, and Nancy basically is like, oh, you know, we just need to eliminate all the extraneous words, and Ned's like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it, and you're like, that's adorable, that's so adorable, y'all, so Nancy tells Ned to notify the police. Nancy decides to go to the library. She goes upstairs, and she finds a woman wearing a Javanese costume, apparently, who blocks her from entering the room, and there's a scuffle, and Nancy was amazed at the strength of the woman um, Nancy tries to, actually, let me see, the woman tries to rip off the mask that Nancy's wearing, because she, she stole that mask, and now it's hers, (laughs) finders keepers, uh, the woman tries to rip the mask off, but, um, Nancy holds on to it, because she feels like it's a good clue, and that's pretty much it, when they get in, they notice that, like, everything is, everything bad is happening, there was a maid up in that floor that raised an alarm, and she says, "Yes, yeah, somebody came up from behind me. And they took everything that they could easily carry. They can't find anybody. Um, Nancy finds a piece of cloth that's stuck in the trellis. So that's a cool clue. They call the police. The police are like, oh, you're Nancy Drew. And she's like, hell yeah, I am. Thank you, Lieutenant Kelly. The other weird thing that happens in this book is apparently Chief McGinnis is on vacation because they're like, Chief Denny. And I'm like, no, no, Chief McGinnis always Chief McGinnis. What the fuck? Was there a side book that we were not aware of where he was demoted temporarily for a few books? IDK. Because, yeah, no Chief Denny. Fuck that shit. So, yeah. Uh, The thing is that nancy's friend linda and remember the one who decided that Ned needed to be poured into a spanish gentleman's costume so she's afraid that she's going to be blamed um ambrose who is the detective who comes out is like we're you're coming with us we've got to ask you some questions and blah blah, blah. and linda's like no i didn't do it and the thing is that like mr tombar the hobbit he actually the description of him they ain't wrong um He's the one who's like, oh, she was involved. And Nancy's like, what's your evidence? And he's like, I don't like her. And Nancy's like, try again, bitch. So anyway, um, it ends up that she is not actually taken to the police station and arrested for the, the crime. Because, I mean, she she was downstairs. She did not do this. It's fine. Um, the other thing that happens is that remember that all these houses were robbed. They were often robbed when the Lightner Company was providing costumes slash services because it makes it sound like they also do party planning even though that also is never really explicitly explained in the book. They got a bunch of costumes though. They got a bunch of costumes. The Lightner Entertainment Company. So I guess they do some light party planning as well. Um, But anyway so the people whose houses were robbed are suing the company because they're like clearly the company's involved because they were handling everything and, and we got robbed and and so Carson's trying to defend the company against the suits that are being brought by the party people, which, I don't know, it's kind of a lose-lose, honestly, because Mr. Lightner doesn't seem like a huge dick, but, eh. and then you've got the party people who are wealthy, so they're like, oh, my Marie Antoinette, whatever the fuck, anyway, so, mm, I don't know, I feel like we're all losers here, it's fine. Um, Nancy decides to talk to Mr. Lightner because, of course, her father is doing some work for him. So she's like, hey, I'd I'd love to help out with the, the mystery and I'll just take the costumes back and, and I'll go talk to him. Um, there's a bunch of masks that are on the walls and Mr. Lightner's like, are you interested in masks? And Nancy's like, uh, sh- sure, sure I am. He's like, I love masks. Let me tell you about every single fucking mask in this room. And Nancy's like, oh, sure. I have a fire god mask that I got from a Zuni Indian chief in New Mexico, and I'm like, "Did you? Did you really? Like, I've I've got some follow up questions because there's some weird appropriation shit happening here. There's some there's some post colonial, with a sprinkle of post colonial happening." Um, Nancy's asking about velvet masks. Um, she's and she's like, "Oh, do you know anything about velvet masks?" And he's like, "Hello, bitch. I am the Wikipedia of masks. Oh, yes, men first wore." Vel- black velvet masks during the reign of louis the 14th in that period of terror and political intrigue it wasn't safe to appear on the street except in disguise black velvet hoods were worn especially with wide sleeve dominoes or robes and nancy's like do you have those robes because i want that look i need that yes john will show you uh French and English ladies used a great deal of powder and rouge. Masks served as a protection against sun, wind, and dust. Often they were lined with fine silk. As a further protection, glass sometimes was fitted into the eye openings. And Nancy's like, tell me more about another type of mask. (laughs) Which honestly I did find rather fascinating because they're going to educate you on something and for today's it's going to be all about masks. Um, Nancy goes to look at the costume department because she wants to see if they have the sort of robe that she saw the masked guy in. They find one, and there's a chunk missing out of it that kind of matches the fragment of fabric that Nancy found on the trellis. So they, she goes to get Mr. Lightner to show him, and when they get back, it's gone, and everyone is fucked up. And it's, she goes to Chief Denny and she's like, there's been a cloak that was stolen. I I don't know. I don't know what's happening. It's fine. Nancy decides to talk to Linda and Linda's like, Mr. Tombar is the worst. And Nancy's like, tell me everything about him. Is he a hobbit? So he likes to take two hour lunches. I'm like, because he's drinking. No. (laughs) Anyway. Um he comes back and his car is coated in mud, um especially his wheels and his fender especially. Um he is a she calls him a slave driver and I was like I feel uncomfortable with that language, but I mean he's he's a taskmaster. He's he's not great. She goes to talk to Mr. Tombar and she tries to Nancy does and she tries to pretend that she's not like on Linda's side. She's like, "What do you know about her? Is she trustworthy?" And he's like, "Hell no." And Nancy's like, "Tell me everything." And he's like, why are you interested, teenager? What is this, police court? I have my reasons. And Nancy's like, so you fucking don't? Okay, it's fine. Um, they have lunch at a like nearby soda fountain thing, and they have lunch there a few times. And one time, Mr. Tom Bart, like, barges in there, and he's like, you are two minutes late from lunch. And Nancy's like, Really? I'm glad to see that you're so curious about punctuality with your employees. Can you tell me everything about masks so that Linda can sneak out and get back to work? Yes. Uh, Nancy sees that Mr. Tombar is leaving for the day and so she grabs a taxi and she's like, follow that man! And of course they don't catch up to him because it's way too early in the book for that to happen. We have reasons. That's fine. So she decides to go to the next party there's a wedding um with a lot of expensive wedding presents and so nancy decides to go to there because she's she's curious about whatever because again the Lightner entertainment company they them helping with a party seems to indicate that the party's going to be ripped off so it makes sense um she goes to check on where all the wedding presents are being displayed and she finds like an old frail man who is standing guard and she's like wow There's a lot of trust here that shouldn't be. Um, Of course, when she goes up later, the old man's been knocked out and shoved into a closet. Um, They have a tip that somebody in the gang of thieves occasionally uses a British accent. So, of course, somebody comes up and is using a British accent and is saying that he forgot his invitation. And Detective Ambrose is like, you piece of shit. And Nancy's like... "Um, I I remember something in the paper about a British guy visiting. Let me hang on. And so she goes to talk to the hostess of the party because the host is like, I've never seen him before in my life. And the hostess is like, he is an old family friend. My husband has never met him. Oh, my God, is he here? And they're like, oh, shit. Okay, so an actual British guy showed up. Oh, shit. It's fine. Nancy goes upstairs. Old, old dude is just sprawled on the floor. They've ripped off all the wedding presents. Oh, well, not all of them nancy catches them mid thievery um they come upstairs of course remember the cops are there and everybody is in such an uproar over the the actual genuine british guy that they are using that opportunity to go upstairs and find all the wedding presents so um nancy goes home she finds Bess and george there and george is like i wish i'd been there this sounds fantastic i would have loved to punch some people and Bess is like no no to everything no to everything that you just said Um, She gets a phone call. Her her father is abroad doing things. John Hamm is off doing things. Literally and figuratively. Um, So the phone call is like, Nancy Drew, keep out of affairs that aren't your own. You need to get rid of that hooded mask. Drop it within 24 hours over the wall of Hillside Cemetery. Okay, first off, I love everything about drop it off at the cemetery full of dead people but also nancy of course is like why would they want the mask back there must be something about it so she takes out the lining and she sees that there are some numbers written in it so that's cool she was hoping that there would be like some stolen goods hidden in it or something but anyway so she sees six two six six two eight seven one seven five, and nancy's like what could this mean So she calls her dad, and she's like, I found this. And he's like, yeah, those sound like dates, like immediately. (laughs) So he's like, yeah, it sounds like it's probably dates, and yeah, it's fine. And Nancy's like, oh, my God, yes. Yes, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So that's notes. Oh, side note, Ned doesn't pop up again until the end of the book. So if you're like, I'm waiting for a net appearance, it's going to be a hot minute. Um, Yeah. So Nancy goes to talk to Linda. She's like, Linda, you know, these are the dates. Do you have anything that's on these dates? She's like, Yeah, we've uh most of them, most of them, yeah. Not all of them. And Nancy's like, okay, cool, cool. Um, she also finds out that the Leitner Entertainment Company was robbed of Indian masks from Mr. Leitner's office, uh, two valuable Greek tragedy masks, the joy and sorrow masks that are often associated with plays. Um They don't have a full accounting of everything that's gone yet, but a a bunch of masks were taken, disguises, some women's disguises, and so, yeah. Um, Togo, Nancy's terrier, who we didn't read the book with it, Nancy discovered Togo in, sorry. Um, Togo's barking, they figure out that somebody's been basically eavesdropping in Nancy's house. Um, Then Nancy gets a telegram that says, um, don't contact Mr. Leitner about the dates come to my hotel this evening, bring the mask, signed dad. So Nancy calls the hotel. Her dad is not there, but hasn't checked out. She finds out that a telegram has been charged to his room. So she's like, oh, well, okay, it seems legit. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it fucking doesn't. Like that is bare minimum. So she's talking to Bess and George and they're like, this sounds like a trap. And Nancy's like, yeah, but I kind of want to see how it's going to play out. So the girls come up with a plan. They decide that George will disguise herself as Nancy. And Nancy will disguise herself as someone who is not Nancy. And Bess will come along for reasons. So that way, Nancy can carry the mask, but George will be like a decoy Nancy. This is a thing that they just really don't ever do. It's This book is pretty fascinating in that it stands out from that perspective. Like This book really should have begun with... Linda contacting Nancy and being like, hey, um, I'm under suspicion because of these, uh, these thefts that have happened from these parties that I've been going to as part of my work. And I was just hoping that you could come along and help me figure out what's going on, which is not what happens. It's kind of like, oh, look, we're staging some robbery." It's fine. Anyway. So, um, George, of course, puts on a wig. Nancy puts on a wig. They get on the train because that's how they're instructed to go. Um, and then somebody fucking kidnaps George, like the people on the train, kind of the, the gang, the thieves who board the train car, like two of them go to George. One of them is on Nancy and Bess to keep them away from what's going on. So they managed to block Nancy and Bess from getting off the train. Nancy and Bess, of course, like lose their shit, but not in time to get George away from these assholes. They get George into a car. They have drugged her. That's how they, they made her unconscious, took her out to a waiting car they search her stuff, they don't find the mask, which is the whole, like, they kidnapped her to find the mask, and I'm like, why wouldn't you have just stolen her suitcase, but anyway, that's fine, uh, this girl isn't Nancy Drew, because she, she actually packed her fucking clothes into Nancy's suitcase, which has India on it, of course, they were like, Nancy and Bess are like, we will take uninitial luggage, because just so incredibly smart, but they find GF on one of the blouses, and I'm like, is she getting like Laverne and Shirley monograms on her clothing? Like what is happening here, but it's fine. Um so yes, they discover that this is not in fact Nancy Drew. They're not quite sure who it is, but anyway. She's a phony, she's wearing a wig, she kept her hat on. Um and then okay. The 1950s, nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, Nancy Drew books, like this is one of the first instances of this happening. Um the person, one of the guys who is in the car is like, I'll make her tell the truth. This little herb potion will do the trick. I keep it on hand for just such emergencies. So many follow-up questions. Do you often have native truth serum? Do you work for a foreign government? Do you work for our own government? Is this part of MKUltra? Like, whoosh, is it in a briefcase? Anyway, is it refrigerated? Do, do you have a tiny fridge? Do you keep an ice pack on you at all times? Um... So he injects her with his quote-unquote truth serum, and then he's like, now talk. And George is like, "Uh, like, she, no. The woman's like, you gave her too much. Who's the dunce now? (laughs) You, you're the asshole. So I gave her too much. We better just get out of here before Nancy Drew actually gets the cops on us. And so they freak out because they hear another car coming. So they take Nancy out of the car. They go proper up against a tree, which sounds super creepy, like we're getting into horror movie territory. Um, The woman who was with them um, just, like, Puts all of George's stuff next to her and she's like, how do you like that? She grasped George's arm tightly for an instant, whispering a threat into her ear. Even dazed as George was, the words burned deeply into her brain. I advise you not to forget, the woman warned with a harsh laugh. Okay, here's the thing. From this point on in the book until the end of it, George has fucking PTSD from this experience. And I'm not exaggerating this. She like... her personality changes. She is nervous and fretful all the time. The daughter checks her out and is like, I, one thing that I do admire about this book is the daughter who checks her out is like, I have no fucking clue what they gave her. Like I've, I have no clue. It could have been anything. Like, I don't know. So she seems to be physically okay. Like all of her vital signs seem to be okay. So take her home, put her to bed. Hopefully she'll recover. But they're not like, clearly this is MK Ultra Juice. So anyway, so George is like fucked up for almost the entirety of the rest of the book where she's, every time she sees Nancy, she's like, you've got to stay away from these velvet hood people and don't investigate this. This is really bad. And and it's, this just going to be really bad. And Nancy's like, w- what's, what's going on with you? Because George is the one who's here to punch some people like at all times. So it is completely out of character for her to be acting this way. And George is like, just stay away from them. Just promise me you'll stay away from them. So basically George becomes Bess for a big chunk of this book, which means that Bess has to then, Bess can't be George. But Bess is always like, okay, so we need to just not tell her what we're about to do. Bess is still going to be like, I'm not sure that we should do this, but at least she's willing to go along with Nancy, where George is like, George is staying home a lot. Like, Bess goes by to read to her like she's an invalid. Anyway, so um, Nancy, oh, I'm sorry, The Nancy and Bess find a an officer who's on duty at the train station who was like, if that car has taken Old Mill Road, which Lil Nas X is one who's popping up here, um, then it's a case for the state police. Their their jurisdiction includes Old Mill Road. And I'm like, we're going to need to sing some Lil Nas X here. It's fine. So they take him out there. They tell him that it's the Velvet, the Velvet Gang. The Velvet Gang. Which, would it make a good band name? Probably. Anyway, so they find George. Um... Georgia's hysterical when they find her. Nancy, she's like, Nancy, you'll get hurt. You need to give up this case. It's uh, anyway. So, like I said, they take her to the hospital. They go to the doctor. Carson John Ham finds out about this and is like, "You, you no, no, you, you need to stop." Like they fucking kidnapped your friend. And Nancy's like, "All the more reason for me to finish this shit." And he's like, "Well, okay." He buckles almost immediately. He's like. Just just be careful because, again, he's going to be out of town forever. It's fine. Um, Nancy did notice when she saw the kidnappers drive off with Beth. She noticed that something shiny dropped out of their pocket. So she goes back to the railroad tracks and searches for it. And she finds out that it's a charge plate. This is from back in the day when you didn't have a charge card. You would have a charge plate that you would take to the department store. And they would put it into that special machine. And they would put the carbon paper on it or whatever. And they would do the whoosh, whoosh and that's, yes, so they dropped a charge plate, and Nancy's like, I think it's for Taylor's department store in River Heights, so cool, that seems like a fun thing. Um, of course, they take George home, um, and I think Bess's mom is the one who actually comes and picks him up from the, the department. Anyway, so then they talk about masks, the ancient Romans made masks made of wax. And among the Egyptian ruins, some have been found made of thin gold plate. Some were called death masks. And George is like, what the... Shh, shh. <laughs> anyway, so Nancy goes to Taylor's department store. She's like, I've found this charge plate. Um, I was wondering if there was anybody who worked for you who might match the description of one of the the Velvet Gang members. And the guy she interviews is like, we do not employ that kind of people. Good day. And Nancy's like bitch, you might not know. Or, I mean, seriously, don't you don't you want to know if you're employing somebody who is a member of a gang of masked thieves? And dude's like, but we wouldn't. And Nancy's like, so why don't you get everybody to turn their charge plates in? Tell them that you have to switch them for new ones. And whoever, because the, the charge plate was run over, so the name was obscured, and it doesn't have the full account number. So Nancy's like, just get everybody to turn theirs in and then whoever doesn't have the charge plate you'll know is the person and if they all turn them in then everything's fine except for clearly they're not gonna and anyway so the guy's like i guess that would be okay um soon after he does this all the employees receive a second memo that's like do not turn in your charge plate that was a false alarm and so yeah that that just doesn't pan out because again We got a hundred more pages to cover. We got some shit to do. We can't find out who you are immediately. It's fine. And on that note, a good place to pause. Okay, so there's another event. It's like a concert recital it doesn't matter nancy stays like for five minutes and then like is like i needed to go check things out um uh, there's a guest upstairs of course near the valuables who is like oh i'm ill and so a maid comes downstairs and is like oh there's a guest upstairs who is sick and nancy's like yeah they're here so she runs upstairs catches a mid-act again they find her um manage to get the drop on her wrap her up in bed clothes and try to smother her And the maid comes back in to startle them, so they leave off. And Nancy remains unsmothered. But whenever everybody comes to pick up their coats at the end of the evening, um, because Nancy interrupted them, I don't think that they managed to steal that much stuff. Um, There's one coat left. And they find in one pocket a makeup kit and in the other pocket a velvet hooded mask. So Nancy's like, jackpot. Um, She also noted that there were... um, the chemical notations that were made, She there's nothing in the coat itself. Like, there's no identifying marks. There's no dry cleaner marks. There's no nothing. Store marks, everything. Um, but Nancy decides to maybe trace the ink that was used. So she contacts Linda, who was like, oh, yeah, we use ink like that to mark our costumes. And Nancy's like, I'm going to take this to a chemist. And so the chemist is like, yes, this is the kind of ink that was used. And so Nancy's like, okay. So I feel like a member of the gang is working for Lightner's company. And that would explain everything, and I'm like, it shouldn't have taken you 100 pages to get to this conclusion. Like that seemed really, very much obvious, and obvious that it was not Linda because this is not that kind of book. So anyway, so, um, and then Linda's fired because Mr. Tombar's like you stole ink, and Linda's like a drop of ink, like I will pay to replace it, and he's like no fuck you. So, anyway. So Linda's let go. Nancy's like, I'm gonna help you get your job back, or I'll help you get a different job, or it's gonna be fine. So she contacts Mr. Lightner because, of course, she wants to advocate on behalf of her client slash friend, who she says in the text like, we went to high school together, but I didn't know her that well because she's like, I mean, she seems like a good person. I don't think that she would do this, but Nancy also was like, but I don't know that she wouldn't. So anyway, so she goes to Mr. Lightner and she's like, my friend, like, did you have any problem with her, her? work, anything that would make firing her justified and Mr. Leitner's like, No, she's been a good employee. Um, got no problem with her and Nancy's like, So you could rehire her? And Mr. Leitner's like, Fuck no, that's that's actually not my purview. That would be Mr. Tombar and Nancy's like, But he's a jackass. Um anyway. George of course has a portentous dream that Nancy's being dropped over a cliff by a man in a velvet mask and Nancy's like, "Oh, okay, I just won't go near any cliffs, honey." Like, oh, I, I don't know, it's fine. Like it's it's just like it's not funny, but it is very jarring for George to be behaving this way. Like she very much like a best personality change. It's fine. Um there's another Party coming up. They decide to make special marks on the invitations to make sure that like nobody can forge an invitation and get in that way. Because again, they keep trying to check invitations at the door and everything. And every time they try something, it seems like somebody manages to get something through. So let's see. They're going to another party. Mr. Tombar almost always decides that he wants to make an appearance. Of things. Also, Linda is not at this one, as you remember, she has been fired. So Nancy's like. So if this party gets ripped off then it's kind of, well, I guess it's not evidence that Linda wasn't involved because she's not a employed by the company, but like at the other places, she was clearly like doing her job when the theft happened. So it, it doesn't fucking matter. That's okay. Um, there's plainclothes detectives at this one. And then Nancy notices there's somebody outside who she sees like unconscious on the ground. So she, she wakes him up. And he has been robbed of his invitation to the party. So Nancy runs inside. Of course, the lights go out. Um, Valuable silver pieces and figurines are missing from the first floor and jewelry from the second floor. So good times. Lightner's like, this is going to fucking ruin me. Like, I've already got notoriety in the press because we've covered parties where this happened before. Like, this is really fucking bad. So Nancy goes to talk to Mr. Tom Brown. She's like, I'm sure it was scary when the lights went out and the theft was happening. And Mr. Tombar's like, get the fuck away from me, teenager. So. Nancy's like, I don't trust him. I wish I could go to that wedding Saturday night. Then I could watch Tombar myself. But I can't send regrets to Helen Time's dance at this late date. And Ned would never forgive me if I disappointed him. And I'm like, in every possible way. No, it's fine. Uh, George is still flipping out. Nancy goes to visit her again. And George is like, they won't stop at it, anything. Is You know, this is really bad then Nancy and Bess decide to go to Taylor's department store. They're basically like trying to leave George at home, like hoping that she will just snap out of this. And Nancy and Bess talk about it several times and are like, I wish I knew how to help. I wish I knew what to do. Like, because Bess is like, don't talk about the case, but like, that's all George will talk about. So they can't like even keep her calm that way. So there's that. Um, um, Yeah, Nancy goes by the store to check on the charge plates thing and discovers that, no, it seems like nobody's actually, like, turning in their charge plates. Um, And then the person at the... She knows the person who is working at the... Some sort of counter. Bess is looking for a present from her mom, and Alice, who is working the counter, is like, oh, my gosh, we had this really cute thing that just came in. And Bess is like, well, I can't afford that much. And she's like, no, no, it's really cute. And one of the figures is a miniature Marie Antoinette. That Chekhov's gun is paying off, y'all. And Nancy's like, "I need that immediately." There's like little scratches on it. It looks like it's secondhand. And so, and Alice is like, "We wouldn't take secondhand merchandise. We do not fence things." And Nancy's like, mm-hmm, "I need it though." So they confirm that that is indeed the one that has been stolen. Nancy's like, can I talk to whoever's in shipping? And they're like, oh, he's he's out for the day. He goes, He's sick or fishing a lot at EK. And Nancy's like, yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable. That's fine. Has he worked for you long? And they're like, oh, no. But, um, I mean, he seems fine, though, when he's here because he takes a lot of days off. It's fine. So uh, they give Nancy Mr. Snickers address. That's his name um, when Nancy pulls up at the apartment house, she sees Mr. Tombar's car, because of course she does, um, when she rings the bell, she's like, I'm from Taylor's, and she talks to a person who says that she is Mr. Snecker's wife, and he, she's like, yeah, he, he doesn't make a lot of money, I mean, it's good when he's working, though, but he just doesn't make a lot of money at that department store, and then the wife is like, but we're about to be on Easy Street, Nancy's like, you just said he wasn't making a lot of money at the department store. And she's, and the wife is like, he's got a side hustle going and it is fantastic. And Nancy's like, can you, can you tell me anything else about it? And the woman's like, I've said too much and leaves immediately. And Nancy's like, cool, cool. Yeah. He's involved. I mean, she's like, I think he's involved. And I'm like, girl, he's involved. He's involved. Um, Nancy goes to talk to Mr. Tombar. She's like, yeah, um, I'm just saying that Linda was a really cool person, maybe you should hire her back, and he's like, uh, Mr. Tombar, I'm sorry, I just, just can't, Nancy's like, okay, well, I'll go talk to Mr. Tombar, so she goes into his office, and he's, she overhears him talking to somebody, and he's saying, no, I won't do it, quit trying to tell me, don't, don't talk to me, um, and then he sees Nancy, and he starts yelling at her, because he's like, you're always snooping, and listening to me, and blah, blah, um, he gets a phone call. Nancy kind of lingers outside of his office. He spots her again, and he's like, "You are always spying on me, you nosy little busybody, you you bitch." And Mister Lightner, of course, is like right behind Nancy at that point, and Mister Tumbler's eyes widen. He's like, "Oh!" And so Mister Lightner's like, "Wow, um, this is Nancy, who is the friend of my lo- like the daughter of my lawyer." Um, yeah, you are gonna need to shut the fuck up. And also, get the fuck out. Like, pick up your paycheck, get out. And I'm like, that's adorable. I don't think payroll would have been able to do it that fast, but it's okay. And Nancy's like, okay. So now he's fired. Okay. Which seems both good and bad because Nancy's pretty sure that he's mixed up in in the robberies. So if he's not working at the company anymore, maybe the robberies will stop. But anyway. And you're like, it's not going to be that easy. That's fine. So Nancy decides to find out who he was talking to, and he was like, "No, don't don't call me at work anymore." And she finds out it's a real estate agent. Actually, um, she's like, "Why were you talking to him? Why was he yelling at you?" And so apparently, Mr. Tombar has the Blue Iris Inn. Um, he picked it up for a song. It's it's not. Like, I guess the inn was shut down and he picked up the property, maybe with the thought of like flipping it or something. And so the guy who is calling him has a client who's, who wants the property. So that's what happened. And so Nancy's like, huh, huh, Bess, let's go check out an old inn. And Bess is like, that sounds like a terrible idea. (laughs) Nancy's like, bring sandwiches (laughs) because Nancy has priorities. Um... She does, and Bess is like, but but don't tell Georgia that we're doing this. And Nancy's like, hell no. Hell no. That's fine. They go check out the end. They find that it's, like, full of boxes. And they're like, maybe it's full of stolen things. Maybe there's stuff from the department store. We don't know. So she goes to talk to her dad, and he's like, you have zero evidence. I'm just saying, you see an old inn that's, like, boarded up, and it's got boxes inside. Like, you you have no evidence that that's still a merchandise. So you need some more, need some more clues. He says, one way that you could figure it out is, like, to ask if he bought all the fixtures for the inn at auction when the, when the place was auctioned off. And he's-, he's like, sure, that sounds fantastic. Cool. Um, let me see. Then she gets a call from Ned. Yes. Oh, that's going to happen soon. Um, she talks to Mr. Lightner, and I think that he's telling her that there's another party. Yeah. At, it's a dance at the John Dwight estate. At the last minute, they decided to make it a masquerade. And you're like, sure, everybody got super into Phantom of the Opera that summer. That's fine. Um, he asks about a costume for her. And Nancy says that she wants to go disguised as a maid. And then she sees Ned. Oh, yes arriving home with a big box with a french maid outfit which yes you know exactly where my head's going with that um nancy was pleasantly surprised to find ned Nickerson lounging on the porch just hanging out school books are locked up he joked seizing nancy he planted a kiss on her cheek you look wonderful ned the neighbors nancy blushed but i'm glad to see you bitch y'all been married for like 15 years you're celebrating your 20th anniversary. It's okay for the neighbors to see him kiss you on the cheek unless you are faking the fact that you are estranged from him for plot reasons. Anyway, what's in the box? A new dress for a date with me tonight? Maybe. I mean, is Ned in the French maid outfits? I wouldn't put it past him. Anyway, um, so she's going to play a maid and she's like, Ned, do you want to be a coat check boy? And he's like, uh, I mean, if if we get to go on a date, technically, yes. And I'm like, it's because he wants to see when that French Frenchman get up. He's like, but what do I know about checking men's hats and coats? And Nancy's like, it's not that hard. <laughs> anyway. Um, Ned had not heard about George. And so Nancy gets to fill Ned in on that. And he's like, I'm sorry to hear that. George is such a good scout, which is such an interesting way. Um, Then Ned returns with his checkroom outfit. You're a very handsome checkroom boy, Nancy declared when she saw him in his uniform, and I'm like, are they going to be doing some role play later? Yeah, they are. I can't find my coat check. Oh, no. How will I claim my coat? Who knows? It's fine. How do I look? Lovely, but not natural. What a hairdo. I had to disguise myself as much as I could, Nancy told him. It's fine. Okay. Nancy goes upstairs to help the maid with um, taking the women's bags and everything. A mask can really change one's appearance completely, Nancy remarked to Hilda during a lull in their work. Did you know that George Washington ordered a velvet mask for his six-year-old stepdaughter and wife to wear on the street so they would not be recognized? We have not yet entered the travelogue, Nancy drew books, but we are travelogue adjacent, where we are just marching through history discussing velvet masks and all their different applications. I didn't know Washington had a stepdaughter, Hilda said indifferently. Oh yes, and fashionable ladies in colonial days wore masks to protect their makeup from the sun and rain. Yeah, Hilda regarded Nancy with sudden suspicion. So you do a lot of reading, don't you? Been a maid long? Only a short while. You got a lot to learn, Hilda told her. You better quit mooning about masks and remember where you put things. <laughs> I like that Hilda is single-minded and she's like, girl, focus, focus on right now. Um, they hear somebody, there's somebody calling out with like a British accent. Nancy goes to check it out. Um, she sees this white-haired lady who of course doesn't match the description of anybody else in the gang but of course she's like oh that's probably a disguise she sends ned to follow the possibly british dude and she follows a little old lady the little old lady is trying to grab this like elaborate jeweled peacock so that's fun um then the lights go out because ned has followed that other dude to the basement dude like decked ned and then turned the lights off and then ned came after him um the detective, who you'll remember from earlier, Detective Ambrose, is like, stop, don't move, and Nancy's like, oh shit, he thinks I'm in the gang, because of course Nancy is disguised, so she holds on to the old, quote, old lady, until the lights come back on, um, they find that she's got the peacock in her pocket, and the, quote, old lady is like, no, she, she grabbed me, and, and she was the one who was trying to steal it, and she planted this, and he's like, So this is a direct quote from this book. You stupid dick, you can't pin this on me. Reader, I died with joy. (laughs) Old timer, eh? He said, referring to the name she used for Oh 1952 never changed. Actually changed in almost every possible way. They go down to the basement. Um Ned Ned got knocked the fuck out because it's we're not yet at, at the actual climax of the book. His uniform was torn, his face bruised, and his hair mussed. Ned, Nancy cried in dismay, you've been in a fight. And how? That fellow you assigned me to follow proof tougher than a whole squad of football players. They got away? Yes. Ned admitted disgusted by his failure. I could have held him, but I had a choice between turning the lights on or letting him go. I thought that by switching them on, I might stop a robbery up here. And you did, Nancy informed him. So, tag team is cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they take away the woman that was trying to steal the jeweled peacock. They also thank Ned for his part in the affair. Thanks to the efficient work of the young couple. I'm like, don't you dare fucking call them on and off again with this whole, like, we date occasionally. I'm like, you two have been married for a long time. You have raised orphans together. Don't even. Um, and then Ned's like, let's see. He and Nancy remain at the party another hour, thoroughly enjoying themselves as guests this time. And I'm like, of course they did. Nancy's in a French maid get up. Of course Ned's enjoying this. Well, we've made a start toward clipping the wings of that gang, Ned declared in satisfaction. Or I should say you have. So far, I've only been in the background. I do love him. Mighty useful background tonight, Ned. While she's lapsed into Southern Belle, Nancy smiled and then became grave. As for finding the other members of the gang, I wonder... What do you mean? You, re- you prevented a robbery tonight. You can do it again. Maybe. Saturday's the test. Why Saturday? Um, let's see. Ned comes up with an idea for how to stop the gang. You'll make a detective out of me yet, Nancy Drew. Ned laughed and became serious. Here's my idea. Who is it that the gang is afraid of? The police, of course. That's where you're wrong, Ned said. It was Nancy Drew they tried to kidnap, not Chief Denny. Again, is Chief McGinnis in witness protection? What the fuck? Nancy smiled. Yes, go on. It was you who caught that woman over at the jail. The gang will lie low for a while if you're around. But if you disappear, they'll come out of hiding, and the police can capture them, which, Ned grinned from ear to ear, will leave you free for the evening to give me your entire attention. Yes. Ned wants to get lucky tonight, girl. He's He's been doing exams. He wants some rest and relaxation. Nancy laughed. To think I fell for that. You win, Ned. Always. Only... No ifs or buts. I have tickets for a fraternity picnic and dance some of my local fraternity brothers are giving. I like that he's like, I need to establish that it's a fraternity party given by fraternity peeps. Like, that part was implied. Nancy assured Ned that she wanted to attend that party. If I should run into a clue, though, that I had to follow up on, you wouldn't mind, would you? You're a hound for punishment, Ned teased. Oh, well, if you do get a chance to crack the case, count me in. Another black eye won't matter. Oh, God. Ned, my sweet Ned. Um, No work Thursday or Friday. Thursday, we go to the Yacht Club races. Oh, my God, y'all. Why, why are you hurting me this way? And 4th of July belongs to your dad. He told me. I'll remember. I've got questions. Is, do Nancy and her father have a special patriotic celebration for July 4th? Her father, the inventor of toaster strudel. <laughs> do they have special red, white, and blue toaster strudel? I do not know. That's fine. Um, let's see. Nancy takes Linda to the jail to see the prisoner. She Linda sure that she's seen her before, but she won't tell her anything. Um, she did find out like what that she was planning a party, but she never actually got their services to cover the party. Um, let's see. They talk to they talk about Mister Snecker, who has said that he's taken a long weekend. Um, they talk to George. Um, they're going out back out to the Blue Iris Inn to check that out. Just in case. George is upset. Um, Nancy says, No, I've got a thing with Ned later, so I'm not going to stay out too long. And when they get there, of course, they find Peter Tombar, who is moving some stuff around. They see that there's a trapdoor on the floor, and then Bess forgets that she's playing lookout, and so they get captured. Um, They're bound and gagged and thrown into the basement area, and Nancy decides that um, in order to give anybody who might come out there, because they did tell George that they were going to be out there, um, Nancy manages to snag the, a button on her dress on something to just, you know, to say, yes, we were here at some point, but of course, they're like, I don't know if George is actually going to remember anything, because, you know, George is kind of fucked up right now, um, Hannah knows something's wrong, of course. Ned knows something's wrong because he has a date with Nancy that night and of course she hasn't come. Um so they call George who was like I knew something bad was going to happen. Okay. Um leaving into his car, Ned. He drove to the Fane home. George was up and dressed, but in a near state of collapse from worry after talking with her mother and Mrs. Marvin about the girl's disappearance. Oh, I was afraid this would happen, George moaned. I warned Bess and Nancy not to go, but they wouldn't listen to me. Now the dreadful threat may be carried out. Threat? Ned demanded. What threat, George? I don't dare tell you. You must. Nancy and Bess may be in serious trouble. That's the only way to help them. If I tell you, we may all be harmed. Ned whistled. Is it that bad? He asked. Now listen, George, this may be a life or death matter. That's right, her mother said. Don't let your fears mean more to you than Nancy and Bess's safety. The words stunned George and suddenly brought a marked change into her attitude. The old fire came back into her eyes and the color returned to her cheeks. Of course I'll help find Nancy and Bess. Um, the kidnappers drugged her. She seemed to lose her nerve. That woman's words just burned into my brain. She warned me that if I didn't make Nancy drop the case, great harm would come not only to her, but to Mrs. Gruen and Mr. Drew and my family and Bess's. So that's what it was. At the end of the threat, like Ned says, what else? Um and Bess and George says, Well, at the end of the threats, the woman said, We'll put Nancy on ice in the flower cellar. I've wondered ever since what they meant by that. Um and Ned's like, Maybe F-L-O-W-E-R instead of F L O U R. And so of course, Blue Iris in. They used to do some gardening out there. There was a basement, so they go out there, they look in the basement, they find the button, which George confirms that that's that came off Nancy's dress, the outfit that she was wearing. They decide that they're going to go back to to see if they can figure out where the gang might be taking Nancy, and Ned decides that he wants to stay out at the Blue RSN because he has a feeling that they're going to come back there. He's just, he's like, I don't know. I just, I just got a feeling. I just got a feeling. Uh, Nancy and Bess are re- taken to actually Taylor's department store where Nancy manages to get loose. And then they open a bunch of boxes. They find a child's chemistry set and they make some smoke. (laughs) So they kind of waft the smoke under the door to make, like, whoever's looking, like, if there's anybody who's standing guard, they'll come in there to check out what's going on. So they make the smoke... A person comes in. They bind and gag him. They get into the store. They find that a a group of the thieves is there, like just basically ripping off the the um, jewelry counter. They stop them. Manage to call the police. The police come. um, They admit everything. They admit that Peter Tombar was basically the ringmaster of all this. He would. There was another guy who would get in good with the housekeeping people at, like the maids, the kitchen staff, whatever at the party whichever party they were focusing on and so they would that's how they would get access to however they were going to turn the lights off they go back out to the blue iris inn Ned is sitting on mr tombar who they did not recover during the robbery and so and Ned's like yeah i saw him reaching for a big wad of cash and i tackled him and hooray so they find almost everything, actually. Um, in a few instances, missing treasures already sold could not be traced. The owners were promised that the money recovered at the Blue Iris Inn would nearly repay them for their losses. Because of all that, um, everybody decided to drop their cases because their stolen goods were recovered or they were going to be paid back for it and the culprits were caught. So they they dropped their case against Mr. Leitner, who was not involved. Uh, Mr. Leitner hires linda back um and he decides to give nancy mr leitner decides to give nancy an ancient mask of a beautiful egyptian queen um he took two identical masks it was evident that one was very very old and the other a new copy how lovely nancy exclaimed thank you very much mr leitner but why two of them one for your own museum one to wear to a masquerade that may not be for some time it's sooner than you think that spoke up We had to miss the picnic last Saturday, so the fellows decided on another summer party, this time a masquerade. I love that because Nancy could not attend the party, they were like, well, fuck it. We're going to need a new party. You'll go as an Egyptian queen. What fun. Nancy ought to go as the queen of mystery, best remarked. It won't be long before she'll be in the midst of another puzzle, which of course she is. We're going to need to put that into the text, italicized and everything. What are you girls going to wear to the masquerade? She questioned Bess and George. You know me, always bow Peep. Bess giggled. I'll have to think it over, Bess. George replied. But there's one person I know I'll never try to imitate. That well-known detective Nancy Drew. George pretended to shiver. I tried it once and found it too dangerous. So. The thing that we've talked about this before. The thing that I find most interesting about like this particular one is that we do actually have George experiencing PTSD over shit that's happening. Like the thing about these books that often it feels like a video game where like they respawn at the beginning of the next book and they may have learned some shit, but there's no guarantee. And I'm not going to say that this particularly sticks with George, but the fact that it stuck with her for so long in this text is very deeply fascinating also think that Nancy could not be allowed to be the one that experienced this, which is why it's really interesting that George is dressed as Nancy for this. And even though she's often identified as like the most courageous, the most like fearless, always ready to plunge into danger, even more so than Nancy. Um, she's the one who gets kidnapped and she's the one who becomes feminized as a result of it. She becomes timid, fearful. She tells Nancy constantly that she needs to leave the case alone. Um, she becomes Bess. So you have George dressed as Nancy who goes through that experience and comes out the other side of it like it, it's a deeply traumatic thing for her, and it's only Ned coming to her and saying, you have to talk about what happened so that you can get through it that makes her say like, oh, Well, they threatened everybody, including us, but not Ned, which I thought was fascinating, although there's no reason to think that they would know who Ned was specifically. But they don't threaten Ned, and so it's as though George feels okay revealing the threat to Ned because he wasn't named in it. Like, it's as though she's invoking a curse just by mentioning it. But like I said, like the use of weird chemicals, weird things that you might be injected with, weird poisons, weird serums, things like that that are like never actually named in the text. Like those always, because of Nancy Drew books, it always felt like somebody's going to kidnap you. Somebody's going to literally inject you with some sort of foreign substance, which is going to make you powerless. It feels very like date rapey, very rohypnol, especially with, you know, the the metaphoric symbolism of penetration but like it is it is really interesting like you have Nancy in the text who can't really be made powerless this happens in very different ways in the files but in the mystery stories it's very much like oh well Nancy Nancy can't be made vulnerable in that way usually or she can be on top of a hill and think that elves are carrying her, like, go big or go home, y'all, just go big or go home, so, that one, I fucking hate that, like, we date sometimes, like, I cannot, I cannot emphasize how incensed I was when I read that, I was like, fuck you, whoever decided to do that, but it's okay, by the end of it, they've redeemed themselves, also, was there some role play involving these in a French maid outfit, how could there not have been, I'm just saying, like, maybe Nancy has some weird sort of, like, below stairs, I'm gonna bang the coat check guy thing. It's fine. However it is, it's fine. So, what have we learned? Party thievery. Do they deserve it? Kind of, yeah. I mean, seriously, if somebody's like, yeah, like, there's people ripping off houses, and you're like, you're just gonna lean in on some hubris where you're like, but surely they won't rob me. I'm going to put in a 95 year old man who needs crutches in front of the store and it's going to be fine. It's going to all play out. It's cool. So yeah, that is our last episode for season eight. Season nine is going to pick back up with Nancy Drew Files again. I'm so excited. Oh my God. So, so yes, I hope you've enjoyed season eight. I hope you enjoy season nine. And as always, Stay sleuthy, my friends.